0: the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Isios. And we're back. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. Today, we got a retired NFL veteran, played eight seasons in the NFL, Joe Holly is joining us. We get into some cool conversation here, folks. We talk about his career in the NFL. We talk about his transition out of the NFL and kind of all in between the stuff he's up to now, you know, the ups and downs of playing in the NFL. And what I really love about connecting with pro athletes like Joe is that for them, to, for somebody to get to the level of professional, in sports or anything, to be able to get paid for your passion, you need to have this resilience and this mindset. And I love picking the brains of people. You know, I've talked to NHL players, NBA players, NFL players, and there's that similar drive that it takes to get there. And not just in sports, but life in general, to get to that to that point where you get paid to, for your passions. It's really amazing. So we dissected all of that, but we also talked about the reality of it and how fans and people from our side only see the one side of it. So Joe has made some amazing transitions and with health and wellness, with, with everything, mind, body, soul, we get into an awesome conversation and I really, really enjoyed it. Me and him tried to connect a couple of times, but with both of our schedules, we, we, had to, um, we had to reschedule. So we got it. We made it happen on our third try. And I'm really glad we waited because, you know, we, we, we got to connect at the perfect time. We also get into talking about social media and, you know, how it can be so draining and how to detox and how he was able to do that. So lots to talk about, lots to unpack in this episode, guys. Let me know what you think of it. Let me know what you think. And if you got value, if you haven't already, go hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. And any of your friends that you think would, would benefit from this, Hit them up with a text. Have you heard of University of Adversity? Have you heard of that? And send it to them because we I want to share the value, right? If we're not sharing it, then people can't hear these stories and they can't get inspired. And, you know, we want to change lives at the end of the day, right? So I hope that I can make that impact so that that happens. I hope you guys like this episode as much as I did recording it. And we will get right into Joe Holly coming right up. Joe my man welcome to the show thanks so much finally got to connect
1: yeah finally man thanks for having me
0: (laughs) oh bro it's um we've uh it's been quite the journey the last few months to say the least and uh I know you've been doing some amazing amazing things traveling around man it's uh, it's pretty awesome following you on your journey so I'm glad that we finally can connect and uh dive into your story man
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I know this is like the third time we had to reschedule. I'm glad we finally got to connect.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's that's the way she goes, and it just makes for a better show because it means that those times just weren't lining up properly. So now we can, you know, we can dive into some of those areas. And you know, what 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 I'm fascinated about, man, is just like your your story and how because I've talked to a, a, a couple different pro athletes. And it just fascinates me how we have this, this idea of what it's like, and then you always hear this other side. And in the transition, it, I just find it fascinating, man. So before we get into that, maybe just take us back a little bit, bro. Maybe just peel back the curtain a little bit. Go as far as you feel as wherever you want to start and just kind of maybe just give a little bit of your backstory for those of you that don't know you and haven't followed you before.
1: Okay, uh, I'll go all the way back to college. How about that? Perfect. Uh, yeah, so I went to I went to school at UNLV in Las Vegas. Um, got a scholarship there. Not a very prolific football school. Um, so you know, my dream is always to play in the NFL. I just you know is is always I think it's everybody's dream. Um, but playing for a small school, I knew it was kind of a long shot going into the draft. Um, I was projected to be like a seventh round pick, maybe a, a college free agent. I didn't even know if I was going to get invited to the combine. Uh, went to the com- I ended up getting invited to the Combine, which was like an awesome thing for my career. I um, ended up having a really good Combine, did really good with numbers, ended up getting drafted in the fourth round of the Falcons in 2010. Had a really up and down career there, ended up starting, um, I think like nine games at guard in a couple seasons at center, and then I ended up blowing my knee out in my fifth year. Um, ended up getting cut after trying to rehab back. Um, I needed to really make it back all the way. And then I ended up getting picked up um, by the Buccaneers in my fifth season and ended up playing three years there. Um, So I played a total of eight years in the NFL. And then in 2017, so this is going to be my second year done. In 2017, I decided to uh, walk away from the game. Um, You know, I just, my body was falling apart ever since I blew my knee out. um, I had an ACL, MCL reconstruction. Um, I dislocated my left kneecap twice and, Got a bulging disc in my neck, and so like these injuries just started mounting up. And you know, I took a step back, and I, I, I had to like kind of relook at um, my priorities. And I realized that you know I had enough money to be happy, to be satisfied, to get all my basic needs met. And you know, obviously, I don't need a lot of things to be happy. Um, and I just, I made this decision, which you know, coming out in the news now, like Andrew Luck and and Rob Gronkowski are doing, is you know, is it worth it? Uh, to put my body on the line and and end up in a wheelchair before I'm 40 or, you know, go out, live my life and um, find out, you know, different purpose, different identity outside of football. So that's what I decided to do. I ended up walking away from the game uh, two years ago and I didn't really know what to do next. So then I ended up buying a van, um, rescued a a dog named her freedom for obvious reasons. And we ended up hitting the road together and we traveled for a, for a year and a half in our van across the country
0: yeah your the story about freedom's pretty awesome too man yeah, I I, I, I would love you to get into that man that's that's a pretty cool story on how you ended up naming her
1: yeah so <laughs> so after my in two thousand and seventeen after I uh, was retired or decided to walk away a few months before I was gonna hit the road, I ended up finding my van and I knew that the road would probably be kind of a lonely place by myself, so I wanted to bring a dog with me, so I started going to the local shelters. Uh, looking for a dog went to like three or four different ones couldn't really find anything I gelled with uh, I knew it's a big field thing I, I trust my gut and so I went to uh back to this one place in Tampa and <clears throat> saw Freedom and she was like curled up in the corner she was like definitely playing hard to get she kept looking up at me and, and I was like you know what come here girl come here you know like what's up do you want to say hi and she would just walk to the other side of the cage like not even want anything to do with me and so i ended up like asking the guy hey can I um I do like a play date with her, you know, see if she's, you know, see if we gel at all and took her into the cage um, where we can kind of like hang out and play. And she just sniffed around the whole time. Like didn't even pay any attention to me. And for some reason, I was just like, this is my dog. Like, I don't know why. Like I just felt it. So I ended up getting her right when I got in the car, I called my sister. I was like, I found my dog, you know, this is her. And I I started singing George Michael's uh, freedom because I knew (laughs) I was about three or four weeks away from hitting the road. I found my dog and I was just so happy to like, turn the chapter on my, on my life and, and see what, see what was next, you know, going into this unknown. And, uh, my sister was like, that's such a perfect name. you got to name her freedom. Yeah. And it ended up just sticking. I I got home, called her freedom and, um, she responded right away to it. And, you know, she's, she's been a godsend for sure.
0: Yeah, man. I remember I, I've seen that your dog and I'm, it, it's actually, cause I'm, I've lived alone now and I'm looking at the dog and I'm like, man, that, that would be, that would be so amazing. You know, like just having that companion and being able to, because it gets lonely by yourself. Right. And I mean, especially having that transition from where you're in this, this system that I want to get into to kind of being on your own, you know, like how long, you know, how long did you realize that you were sort of like, man, I would love to have that companion because, you know, I, I go through that all the time. I'm like, man, but that's a lot of responsibility as well.
1: Yeah. A lot of people ask me, you know, cause you know, started doing the blog and doing it on Instagram and yeah. a lot of people out on, you know, how do you travel with a dog? What's like the biggest thing? And she has a huge responsibility to travel with her, but I think the pros definitely outweigh the cons and she's a priority. And I think the biggest thing with having a dog when you're on the road is you got to worry about the heat and making sure she, you know, you can't leave her in the van when it's too hot, but I try to chase the good weather. And I think having her with me has, has made all the difference. You know, a lot of people ask, mm-hmm. like, are you lonely? Do you get lonely? And having her by my side has, has made a huge difference and uh, exploring the country with her. I mean, she's seeing more of the country than I think most humans just dream of. So she's a, she's blessed.
0: Amazing. Bro, I want to kind of circle back to a little bit about your career because you guys have a grueling schedule, right? I mean, you were a bigger dude, man. Like you were, you know, you guys train. How often do you guys train? Like every day, right? Obviously.
1: Yeah. During the season, it's a 24-7 job. Like you go in. And even when you're going home, like, you're just constantly stressed about it. You know, it just yeah. it takes its toll.
0: Yeah, like, what was, the, what was the hardest part that people don't see? You know, like, what, what was some of the stuff? Because, you know, when you're growing up, you know, I was trying to make it to the NHL. I was a hockey player, right? So, I know how that whole system works where it's all you know, it's all you do. You eat, breathe, you sleep. You're part of this system. And then, you know, the higher level you get, the more committed you get. And then when you start talking, I didn't play pro. I got to the junior levels. But, you know, I've talked to people, you know, once you get to that level, you're getting paid that kind of money. There comes that pressure. Oh, yeah. Like, what, is, what was the hardest part about that, man? Like, what is the stuff that people don't see?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that, you know, the fans, they think we just show up on Sundays. You know, <laughs> that we jump out of the video game <laughs> yeah. and then show up more there. And, you know, there's so much preparation that goes into it. And like I said, it's not, it's not just learning the plays, game planning against the guys every week. But you got to make sure you're strong enough. you got to make sure you're big enough. I mean, I weigh 230 right now. I I played at 300 pounds. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. That's not
1: a natural weight for me. I had to stuff my face and make sure I was eating good, but eating a lot to stay that big. I had to make sure I was strong enough to block these guys. I was mentally prepared. And then the whole time, you know, there's all this pressure, like you talked about, coming from the media, from the fans. From the front office, from the coaches, they're always looking to replace you. If you have a bad game, if I if I gave up, I played offensive line, if I gave up a sack, I would go home and I would like be worried I was gonna lose my job. Oh, and there's just there's just different there's so many levels to it. And then as the, the time commitment, and then you're constantly during the season, you are constantly in the worst shape. Like your body just feels terrible. Like it's so tough to get out of bed, body hurts, and you see so you have to stay on top of that as well, like doing ice tubs, getting massages, doing treatment. And so it's just this 24 seven job with the pressure and it takes its toll on you, man. It is a lot of work. The guys that are getting paid this money, and there's definitely a reason they're getting paid that much money.
0: So what do you think? I mean, look at guys like Tom Brady. How does he last, man? Is a lot of it, do you, a lot of it nutrition. Do a lot of guys not take care of their bodies? Or is it becoming more? You know, what what is the things that keep these guys in the league and, and how to on their bodies? Because man, you're getting hit a lot of fucking times, man. Like and it's constantly. Yeah. It just it fascinates me. Like, what are the variables there? Like how yeah, I mean, each
1: positions differently. Too. Yeah, so of course. Like quarterback, quarterback, you can play a long time, especially if you're not getting killed. I mean, um, obviously Andrew Luck is a guy that was getting taking a lot of hits. Yeah. He had a lot of different injuries mounting up. So really, I mean, Luck play, plays a little bit of a factor. I mean, I, when I blew my knee out. You know, my body tried to adjust when I started coming back. It was an 11-month recovery. And so that's when my body started breaking down after, I like, that that balance I had. I had to, like, yeah. use my left knee more, and I had to, you know, counter counterintuitive it. And uh, my body just started falling apart. And playing center, I was a smaller guy too. I mean, I was yeah. 300 pounds blocking these 330-pound guys that are more athletic, faster, stronger, bigger than me. So I was like, kind of a scrapper, and I had to, like, really put a lot of effort in to block these guys you know, some of these guys are just really big. Yeah. Naturally, they they can just kind of maul guys and they don't have to like play as hard. Like for me to make where I, as far as I did in the league, like I had to play extra hard and give extra yeah. effort. And that kind of took us to all my body uh, yeah. on the back end. Um, So it really depends. I mean, like kickers can play forever because they're
0: just yeah. kicking the ball. Well, for sure. Yeah. And and will well, I mean- you
1: take, your, take care of your body. I mean, nutrition pays a huge, huge factor. I mean, Tom Brady's been getting paid a lot of money. I think he I think he has like a team of nutritionists, yeah. of chiropractors and massage therapists that like follow him around and make sure his body's on to top shape.
0: Yeah. It must be, it must've been tough for you though, that frustrating. Cause you probably know that, you know, you got to keep that weight, but you know, it's not necessarily helping you, Yeah. especially for inflammation, right? You have these injuries that are like severe inflammation and yeah. you know that a lot of the stuff to keep that weight on was probably fueling the fire, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah. So I started doing, I think like four years ago. So my third, to last year I started eating cleaner. So I started testing out like paleo, um, eating more natural. And I actually lost weight. I ended up playing at like 285. Mm. And so I was a free agent. They ended up signing me back and they're like, Joe, you can't play that light again. You need to get up to 295, 300. And it's just so hard to eat clean and be that big, like you said. So I had to start eating like a lot of higher denser foods, that, <laughs> higher inflammatory foods that actually made me feel worse, but I had to be heavier. Yeah, wow. And yeah, so it just, it's crazy. But I'm glad I started eating clean because now that I'm done and I started eating clean, like I just i feel so much better now. If I eat something like that, I can tell like the inflammation in my body just because I've been eating, eating super clean, eating a lot more vegetables. Um, you know, I, I try to do like mostly keto, not processed foods, uh, try to keep away from the sugar. Uh, it all makes a difference.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm I'm the same. I've kind of played around and I'm sort of in the same oh. as you. You know, obviously you got to have a certain level of mindset to play any professional sports. But like was there anybody that you really that really impacted you that that really kind of helped propel your mindset to keep you that inspired you? Like was there anybody that really stood out for you that you played with or against that was like, man, like this this human like I really there's always a couple of those, right? That you can really kind of relate to and you and really like helps you rise. Was there anybody like that that kind of inspired you?
1: Yeah, when I my rookie year I got drafted to the Falcons and they had a 13-year vet his name was Todd McClure and he played center, he played my position and I didn't know this at the time going in, but as I got older I realized, you know, you draft a guy in the 4th round at a position, you know, I was basically coming in to replace him or compete with him, right? And be his like guy that took over when he was done. And so as a 13 year vet, he could have easily been like, you know what, like screw this guy. Like he's coming to take my job. Like I don't want anything to do with him. Like it's you no know, doggy dog world. I'm gonna worry about myself. But he was not like that at all. He took me under his wing. He paid it forward. He, he taught me a lot about the position and what it took to prepare and what it was like to be a professional. And having those older guys when you're a young guy coming in, it's just, you're getting hit from every angle. Like it's just a new atmosphere. Um. So having that, it really, you know, I I took a lot from that and it helped me out later on in my career too. So when I went to the Bucks and, you know, my fifth, sixth, seventh year um, and the younger guys were coming in, you know, I took that and I, I paid it forward. I was never the guy that was like, you know, screw these guys. I ended up actually yeah. getting beat out by a guy that came in and I, you know, I was on the sideline and he was starting in front of me and it was just still like pay it forward. So I, I helped him out. And, you know, some guys, most guys in the league are like that, like protect and, and kind yeah. of pay it for, But some guys aren't, you know, because there's a lot yeah. of money on the line. And so, you know, if you're getting paid, um, you know, millions of bucks and this guy comes in and takes <laughs> yeah. your job, you know, you're on the street. So there's like this, he didn't have to do that. And I'm very thankful that he did because it, it helped extend my career um, and helped me play longer for sure.
0: Yeah, man. In sports, it's like that. And, you and know, it was even worse back in the day. Like those vets, like some of those vets, man. If they, you know, and it starts this trend. Like, if you treat the rookies like shit, it's just going to always be like that. They're going to come in and then they're going to treat the rookies like shit. And it was like that for me in junior hockey. Certain teams, there were certain initiations, you know, like rookies would hate being rookies in certain towns, certain cities. And that has to change because, like, who, nobody wants to feel like that when they're starting. And of course, in the pros, it's different. But that whole mentality of like helping the new guy out instead of being a dick to the guy. I mean, help yeah. raise him a little bit, you know, because yeah. it's obviously, a, it's a, it's a new level. It's a new challenge. Right. And yeah, it's hard there's, enough there's already. A
1: a, there's a little bit of a rite of passage, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, gotta, for sure. Gotta the young guy's got to come in. He's got to yeah. earn the respect for
0: right? sure. Yeah.
1: And especially if he's coming in and, and he has to contribute to the team, like there's a big difference between a, a guy, like a first round offensive tackle that's coming in and he's got to play right away. Yeah. So the other guys on the team are relying on that guy. to perform and so you kind of bring them under your wing and you're like hey as good as this guy does is as good as the team does so you really want to like support them then there's the younger other guys that kind of are the backups that aren't really playing that they got to earn the respect right and until they get a chance to earn it on the field they got to earn it in the locker room in the meeting rooms and a lot of times like my whole thing if you're a rookie like be quiet and just do what you're told right (laughs) don't be a loudmouth because then it's going to be harder on you And I think the biggest thing in the NFL, right, of patches, all the teams I've been on have been the rookie dinners, right? So it's just every (laughs) time a rookie comes in, depending where they got drafted, if if we had a first round pick, we're going to his nice steak dinner and dropping 10 or 15 grand, and he's paying for it. And that's just the thing that every single rookie's kind of got to do. And everybody that's worried about it being a crazy dinner, like if there's a free agent, like a college free agent that didn't get any signing bonus or whatever, we'll, we'll go to like, you know, a $500 dinner. So yeah. we definitely take care of the guys with that, but I mean that's the biggest thing is is yeah. earn the respect.
0: Yeah, that's huge. That's the thing too. Yeah, there's has Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that, man. So, all right, man. So you decided, all right, I'm, you're gonna hang him up. You're gonna you're gonna make this change this change into sort of you know regular society. What was what? What was the biggest struggle? Like, I mean, Because you're part of this struggle. You're part of this system for so long. You know. You know, what did yeah. you, was it what you thought or were you like, oh shit, I kind of want to go back. Like, you know, what was this, what was the challenges that you faced kind of pivoting out of that?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I played football for 16 years, Yeah, you know, four years in high school, four years in college and eight years in the NFL. And when I was done, I, I, I consider myself really blessed because a lot of football players, a lot of athletes, you know, their sport is taken away from them too early and not when they want to, right? Usually right. they don't either make the team, they get cut, they get injured. You know, they, they didn't make college out of high school and they wanted to or they didn't make any pros out of college. And so it's just it's always taken away from them. I was blessed very one of the, a very few that got to walk away on my own terms. Mm. And that still didn't prepare me for the void that I felt like after the season was over. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Like, I'm done. I'm excited. Like, let's go do this thing. And like I was sitting on my couch and there's just like this physical void in my stomach. Like, like damn. Like I was not prepared for that. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, that's never coming back, right? Like, I'm never going to be able to go back. Like, it is over, and that was kind of what led me to do this trip. I was like, you know what? Like, before I get in and jump into like whatever my next profession is, like, let's take a break. Let's go kind of find out who I am without football. Like, who is Joe Holly without football? What is my identity? And so that's when I decided to get a van and go travel the country. And I think everybody. You know when they're younger is as a dream of you know doing like a 48 state road trip or like just hitting the road with nowhere to go nowhere to be and so I thought it'd be cool and I was getting into van life on Instagram and I started following some people and I was like you know what like I don't know, before I get into whatever next like I'll take a few months I'm gonna get a van I'm gonna go travel get a dog and do this thing and I loved it so much I ended up being on the road for like a year and a half and it has absolutely changed my life um, the things I've learned on the road you know I'll remember forever I'm gonna end up hopefully writing a book. That's the plan because Don't. I just, I've had, it's led to so much growth, learned so much about myself, getting us on my comfort zone. I've met so many people. Um, you know, I say every day, what a time to be alive where I started this blog not really knowing what to do. I honestly started the blog because I wanted to write off the gas mileage, right? So if I just post about <laughs> it, I could write off all the gas mileage. It's a smart business decision, right? Smart, man. And, yeah, and it kind of turned into this huge thing We're like, you know, ESPN put an article out in the USA Today, and so people started following me, and then I started getting more comfortable sharing. I started posting, you know, these positive things, posting about my nutrition, posting about my physical exercise and, like, how I take care of my body. And people started responding, and it, like, really inspired me to, like, dang, this is something I can really have an impact doing this. And so it started off as something, you know, I was doing for myself and it's turned into, okay, how can I be of service to other people and how can I bring value and all the things I'm learning on the road, I'm starting to share with people, you know, big thing with like minimalism, and not needing a lot of stuff to be happy. And, you know, people get stuck in this rat race where they're planning for retirement trying to make enough money so that when they're 65 or 70 that they can sit on their ass and do nothing. And it's like, that's no way to live. I mean, you gotta, you gotta live your life right now, especially if you're younger. Like I know you don't need to be doing like, I'm, I'm very blessed. I have, you know, good money saved and I can go do a lot of these cool things. And that's kind of why I felt responsible to kind of share it so people that can do that, but there's still a lot of opportunities to go experience life. And so that was like one of my mantras, when I started the blog was live with less experience more. So instead of trying to buy more stuff and accumulate a lot of stuff, that's either going to get old and you're going to want new stuff and just spending all this money on things, why not save that money and go spend it on experiences with people you love um, and stuff that's going to help you grow and get outside your comfort zone.
0: Totally man. And on the other side of that too, is that you've noticed and when we were going to connect the first time, you, which was, this is really interesting. And I'm going to, and that's why I want to dive into about getting social media overload. Right. Because Mm -hmm. right. You, you dive into that. I'm, and when you, when you talked about going on a social media detox, I was like, fuck, I know exactly what he means, man, because you know, we're on these things all day and we don't mean to be. And it's like, you're sharing this, you're doing this and you're like, wait a minute. Why, why, why don't I just enjoy this? And it becomes so easy to just sit there and we don't even, like, I don't even mean to do it some days, you know? And I'm like, whoa, what just happened? Why, what, like, I just wasted so many hours, like, <laughs> right? And and there's a there's a real problem, right? So talk us about, talk us through that. Talk, talk us about, you know, your social media detox, how it affected you and kind of what you did to sort of go, all right, I need to time out for a bit.
1: Yeah, it's tough, man. You need to definitely find balance and there's a fine yeah. line as a content creator, there's a difference between, like, a content creator, like, you're creating content, putting these out, these podcasts, and it becomes your job, right, and people are, have this expectation from you, and so, an Instagram, you know, making the stories, and putting out the pictures, and then some days, you just don't feel like doing it, and then (laughs) you start realizing, like, okay, if I want to grow my community, and make this into something, that I need to, you know, the algorithms are all about, you know, how much content you're putting out constantly, and so, it's, like, creates this, like, this thing like this rat race kinda like you get stuck in this this <laughs> yeah. loop where you're like I gotta be putting this out and you put pressure on yourself but like what is that pressure? Like where does that come from? Like does anybody really care? And so I took a time where I was like I was kind of getting unmotivated to share and I was like, you know what, this is taking away from the actual experience on the road. And I always was very conscious of that. Like joined the moment, if I was around people I would try and stay away from my phone. And then when I was by myself, like doing hikes and stuff, that's when I would get a lot of the content because I was by myself. But realizing like is this taken away from my moment? Like, why do I feel like I have to post? Like, are these people gonna like unfollow me and stop following me and like go away? Are they even gonna notice? Like, there's so much content out there now. Like, are they even gonna notice if I don't press? So then I ended up, you know, announcing. I was like, you know what? And then, you know, I decided to take a break. I was like, I'm just not gonna post as much. But even as a content creator when you're like okay I'm not going to post as much it's always in the back of your mind like if I drive through a beautiful place I'm like oh that's that would be a good picture that'd be a good picture so like I'm always constantly thinking like what would make a good shot and so I was like you know what that's even if I'm taking it slow deciding not to post it's still like in the back running right and so I decided you know what I'm going to tell that tell my community I'm going to take a break and I'm not even going to think about it and I took like three weeks off And it was incredible. It was incredible to like be really present and refreshed. And um, doing that, when I came back, I started posting. I was like, you know, I'm back. And it was like, I never left. Like I was like, why am I worried that I'm not like constantly in front of these people, right? And everybody that really followed me and cared about me and and the community that I created when I came back, they're all really supportive. And so a lot of it's in our own heads.
0: Yeah, that anxiety creates for some reason. Yeah, it's wild. I, um, I went and did like a Kundalini yoga retreat. I think I might've told you about it for like five, yeah, weeks, was that? for like a week, dude, it was mind blowing, bro. Mind blowing. Wow. And that was the first time I actually left, took my phone, put it away. And the freedom that it creates in your mind and your space, the time that you get, all of a sudden you get back.
1: Yeah. The days are a lot longer than you think, it's, huh?
0: It's bro. It's, it's so important to have that, to be able to back out of that, that connection that we have with this social media you know because you got to have the connection with yourself yeah. and that's what we lose when we're our phone we're in there all the time and to be able to connect in oh, kundalini man if it's something if this thing is life-changing i mean it's kind of like where'd
1: you go i need to check that
0: out well i just i went it was like a men's camp man so there's a lot of different men who are just like that that masculine energy was powerful a lot of this stuff is kind of, the reason it really it connected with me, because obviously, I mean, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this stuff, right? That energy and moving and, and you know, and becoming sutra, supernatural. A lot of that stuff in Kundalini is the same stuff. It's been around yeah. for thousands of years. But it's just so it's so amazing how with like different breath and different holds and, and, and movements, you can move that energy, you know, sex energy and all this this powerful energy to more creative and, And just move that around. And for me, that was fascinating, man. And just the feeling, the vibes I was I was getting on the difference. And when I came back into into the city, how I felt, I was like almost I was I felt great, but then all of a sudden all this energy from the city like brought down my vibe and I got like super super sensitive, right? Dude, I got super depressed, man. I was like, What the fuck's going on right now? And I I talked to my buddy. My buddy's a naturopath, actually had him on the show. We were there together, and he was like, Yeah, man, totally normal totally normal yeah. you know and it's interesting yeah. because like <laughs> that's the game we're in you know you, you feed and the more you get in tune with your own energy the more you start to feel others as well
1: yeah 100 percent. so yeah it's wild i've been doing um i started meditating a few years ago trying to be proactive with all the the concussion cte stuff the football yeah. and i you know reading books and started hearing about the science behind meditation how yeah. it like lights your brain up and can kind of neuroplasticity and create your brain. So I'm like, you know, I'm gonna get into this meditation thing. And it started off with like trying to get my brain better. And then the the way it centers you and brings your energy back in and and helps you be present with life around you. Like (laughs) I've totally committed all in. Like yoga is I mean yoga and meditation are like two things that I do every single day. And if I don't like I can tell see my mind start racing and the awareness that it brings. And you know, traveling around the country you know, I'd go to national parks and kind of recharge, park, go do some hikes in nature, get some meditation and yoga, and just really connect with myself. And then I would go into these cities. Like, I went up the East Coast this year. I went into New York City or Boston. And being around all these energies, it's like, it's because you're more sensitive to it, right? And so yeah, you're like, totally. Holy crap. And um, walking around. And so like, that's what I kind of would do. I would go into cities, spend a few days, like, enjoy being around people. And then that would kind of wear me out. So then I'd go recharge in nature. And then i go to the next city. And so I'd kind of do this back and forth so that I could recharge my energies. And, and I think that's what part of my, um, you know, I try to preach to my following is get out in nature, go connect with nature because a lot of people don't, I mean, they're, they go to their work and then they spend the weekends, like going to the bars and they're always around people and that energy. And they're just not, they don't have the awareness because they haven't done the work to practice that awareness, but that's still, is you know, why am I depressed? Why, why do I feel like so lethargic? Why am I not, you know, happy. And it's you literally sometimes it just takes like getting out of your out of the city out of all those energies bombarding you and just reconnecting with yourself and recentering and being able to go back into those energies and, and being more uh, in, into yourself.
0: Yeah. And that's the important thing is like the lesson there is that somebody always wants the externals to cover up some sort of void, right? Especially in the city. That's where it's like, oh, I need to drink. I need to buy this. I need these shoes. I need this. I need that. And it's like constantly like, that's not enough. I'm not, I need this. I need this. I need this. It's just fucking crazy, man. It's yeah. crazy. The consumer, you know, and, and when you, it's crazy, man. But just to have that awareness, like, okay. And I just, I've talked about this a couple of times and in, in with the meditation and when I was going through a breakup, how important it was for me to sit with that energy. Sitting with that energy is so important but we're so afraid of it man we're so we want to just just put a bandaid on it from from this stuff but we're always going to have to eventually feel it and when you can yeah. allow that to feel that and that's why meditation's so powerful is cuz it's like okay all right this sucks but like i'm feeling it and then it's like it goes it passes it's like yeah, you that wasn't an observer as, right that wasn't as bad as i thought
1: Yeah. And the problem is the people that suppress those emotions and they don't let them come through. And then that's what literally leads to physic. it manifests physically in illness, our pain, our inflammation in the body, because they're not letting those emotions like play their course, you know, and it's okay. If you're sad, it's okay. If you're angry, it's okay. But becoming the observer of it and realizing, you know, you're not those emotions, those don't, don't attach to them. That's not who you are. That's just something you're feeling because of something that's happening. And so kind of giving yourself space to see those and observe those feelings and then let them play out and, and go through. And then that's kind of what leads to this healthier centeredness, clear mind. Mm.
0: It's super important, bro, that like, I, I love that you're doing this because a lot of times, you know, guys like us who are played sports, it was always that like meditation was like this, like, I don't know, you had to be some sort of like uh, guru or something. It was just, I was always taught I, I wish I would have learned this growing up. We weren't taught yeah. this stuff. And it's cool to see somebody who, you know, who has that masculine energy from that sport that we have and that, you know, people put us in those, you know, those boxes of male athletes to be able to be comfortable with the yoga side of things and, and and you know, meditation because it's so many people are afraid of it, right? They, yeah. they think you have to be one way. You have to be this like tough athlete, but you can't be both. You can't be like this softer Yoga, meditation—you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you got to bring balance, man. Yeah, I think even with our society and and the world in general, we're like leaning so heavily towards this masculine energy, like get stuff done, and we're, yeah, you know, that's kind of why we're on this trajectory where we're like killing the planet. We're just constantly like our economy's booming. We're just need more, 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 more as like a world, as a society. And I think balancing that masculine energy with that feminine energy is going to be really important moving forward. And that's what you kind of find by taking care of your body, taking care of your mind. And when I, I grew up in, you know, a Christian household and my parents preached like yoga and meditations, all like this Eastern mysticism. And it's like not, you know, it's this religious thing. And it's not like all this. I started looking at all the science behind it.
0: yeah,
1: And it's like, yo, this stuff really like there's something to it. It literally lights these guys' brains up on these fMRI scans. Like, what is that? And that's kind of yeah. what got me into it. And then after practicing it and experiencing it, It's like, it's more than just the way it fires your brain. It literally creates new neural connections in your brain where you can retain information. You can focus longer. Like, you know, there's this ADD epidemic where everybody's taking Adderall and like all these pills. And it's like, yo, you can literally practice that. Like, you can practice attention. It is a skill. And it has, you know, it doesn't have to do anything with religion. It's all about focus and centering yourself and creating that space in your, like, through your emotions. And it changes everything.
0: Yeah, walk us through what? Do, how do you meditate, man? How? What do you, What's your? What's your go-to? What? Have, what's your been your? And what's your time frame that you, kind of like your thing now, your zone?
1: Yeah. So I have a morning routine. I think morning routines are so important because it creates this momentum, right? So if you start your day off strong, with the same thing, it kind of builds momentum throughout the day, and you can kind of have that that really solid day because you only have so much willpower, right? And totally. so creating these habits in the morning. Will help later on in the day when you feel like you're kind of depleted or worn out and make better decisions. Um, so I have like a three-hour routine. I usually wake up, you know, between four and six a.m. depending, you know, when I go to sleep, and I'll try to meditate between twenty minutes and an hour, usually around, probably around thirty minutes. I'll meditate and then I'll do. Uh, I have an hour yoga flow I'll do right after, and then after that I'll um, I'll do fifteen minutes stream of consciousness journaling, which I just started about four or five months ago which has completely changed everything just being able to get your thoughts out of your head and on paper has really been a powerful powerful experience because you know even if you have to remember something throughout the day you're always constantly playing that loop in your head right and so I mean I don't I forget where I read this but we constantly have like over a hundred different open loops in our head it's constantly going like I need to do the laundry today I need to do the dishes I need to call this person I have this to do this to do list If you literally just write that out in the morning, it closes that loop. And for some reason, like, you'll just remember to do it because Mm -hmm. you wrote it down. And so journaling has kind of helped clear that, clear my mind and create more space as well. And that usually takes, um, you know, somewhere between two and a half and three hours. And then I'm ready to conquer the day. My body's feeling loose. My energy's feeling high. My brain's feeling, my mind's feeling clear. And um, I can pretty much get anything done after that.
0: Very cool, man. How important was it to, for you to kind of get like, kind of like a mentor? Cause I know you, we both, you, you, you follow Aubrey Marcus and, and, and that, and you're part of that fit for service. And how, how much has that impacted you? Because a lot of the stuff you're talking about, like I've had Eric Godsey on here. Um, oh, God, too. God,
1: too. Amazing,
0: amazing guy. I had Eric Alexander a long time ago as well, but Eric, uh, Eric Godsey was a fascinating dude. And when you talk about journaling and like, that he's
1: whole the one that got
0: me into journaling dude he's he's a he's like he's i don't know man he's from a different planet the guy's so smart <laughs> dude he's yeah, like definitely. talking about his like ivan i might even ask him about journaling talk yeah like how how has that been bro how has that been around and how important is that to get around like a tribe that's kind of on that level of wanting to raise their consciousness and really um you know they're fat like the stuff Aubrey Marcus talks about bro it's like I'm always like man that guy's just I can I I know you know what I mean I can really connect with what he's saying and some of some of us it's it's amazing man maybe talk us talk talk about some of that and how that's impacted you bro like how how some of that stuff is
1: it's been absolutely life-changing um you know I didn't really it kind of came up I started listening to Aubrey like Probably last summer, like three or four months before the fit for service. And it's like these synchronicities happen, right? Where it's like kind of the universe brought it to me. And I was like, okay, I'll sign up for this thing. I don't know really, when, you know, I'm on the road. You know, I'm really looking for a new community outside of football. And that's been the biggest thing I've gotten. So they do like these these challenges each week on Instagram where they post about like different tools like meditation, journaling, and then they kind of talk about it. But we do re- these retreats um, where everybody gets together and the community. And getting, uh, you know, 120, 150, I don't even know how many people are in it. There's a lot. of we'll Like-minded people, uh, creative minds, entrepreneurs, people that will really want to, like, better themselves and raise consciousness, like, co-creating with those people. Talk about, you know, getting your vibe right, right? Like, high vibrations. And um, I've learned so much throughout the, throughout the thing. The coaches, like Eric's one of the coaches. Yeah. Um, he's taught us a lot with, um, with his journaling and, you know, his intellectual back. He, like, studies <laughs> dreams and stuff. And that's um, what Aubrey's doing, man, with uh, with the spirituality side of it and kind of making it so relatable and understandable. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're all, we all have this spiritual essence to us, but a lot of us don't know how to make sense of it. And Aubrey spoke speaks right to my soul with the way he makes it relatable and not, it's not this doctrine of, you know, different religions. Because I have a lot of resistance to all that. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in this Christian church where it's like, I have all these questions like, well you know, this, that, like, I don't really believe that, but you know, it's hard when you grow up in it and he, you know, you start looking at all these universal truths throughout all these different religions throughout the whole world and kind of connecting to the overlapping universal truths and the spirituality of it. Um, and you start learning. It's, it's, it's a part of all of us and, and, and who yeah. we are. And so finding that has, uh, has really changed my life for sure.
0: Yeah, man. And like that he's one guy, I remember the first time I heard, it might've been over a year, year and a half ago, I heard, Heard him on Tim Ferriss or something. And I was like, who is this dude? I was like, this guy's speaking yeah. my language, man. And I looked yeah. in and I started to realize part of On It. And I was like, whoa, whoa, this is crazy. But yeah, like there isn't a lot of people out there that I can really be like, whoa, man. Like, And, and you're absolutely right. To be able to take, Joe Dispenza does this with, with all his stuff too. Is to be able to take complicated things, complex spiritual things that may seem like, Ooh, I, I don't want to be a part of that and allows them to be easily digestible for people that don't mm-hmm. understand that stuff. And that is yeah. so important in our society because there's so much valid truth out there that people are scared of because of the, the, the dialogue or the language that they don't understand. Yeah. And yeah. just to be able, some of these books that he's doing too, talking about the meanings of these different books, it's like, man, you know, it's there's, there, and, and that inspires me when I, to talk more about spirituality and talk about this stuff, because if I wouldn't, didn't come across that kind of energy, I might've not even been comfortable talking about spirituality and wanting to learn more. And you know what I mean? It kind of opens yeah. up this, this, this area of possibility for other people. You yeah, know,
1: 100%. that's, that's a great word. I mean, he makes it digestible for sure. Yeah. And there's so much resistance around religion and, and God and spirituality yeah. and like what it means. And people like, you know, they stay away from it. It makes them feel icky. And it made me feel icky because I'm like, I don't, like I, I grew up in a church, like there's all this fear behind it. And, you know, you have to believe certain things and, you know, you know, gay people over here, they're, they're, they're not allowed in. And it's like, well, yeah. who, like who decides this? Right. Yeah. And so having this overlapping spirituality and making it digestible and relatable has been um, incredible on my journey for sure.
0: Amazing, man. So what else are you working on these days, man? Like you're back now. You're, you are you moved to Austin recently, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I got a new project. Uh, I'm not really ready to, to talk about oh, okay, it. Okay, uh, all right.
0: Um, well, uh, just get my, everybody, get my, a my, teaser out there for everybody. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I got, I got a new thing out there. And um, we're probably going to release it in the next year or so, but I'm just laying the foundation. Cool. Um, I have my, my nut butter, uh, livesimple.com with no E. Uh, you guys can check that out. That's a, it's like a single serving MCT based uh, macadamia nut butter uh, it comes in 10, 10, pack boxes and it's delicious. So go check that out.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I've been actually meaning to order that. I totally forgot. I'm going to get some, man. I love that. Get yourself some. It's always, it's always good to have that stuff on the go, man. Especially like right now I'm back into keto. I was off it for a little while, but I just find my focus is just so much better when I'm dialed in, man.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's you know, limiting the sugar. I think sugar, yeah. people don't realize how much sugar is in everything. And when you're on keto, you know, you can't be eating sugar. So you're very conscious of what's in your food and yeah. you're checking labels and getting that sugar out just helps you clear your mind and productivity. Um, you don't need as much caffeine. You don't need as many stimulants to get through the day. The sugar, you know, sugar is a drug. It gets you high, it gets totally. you going for 40 minutes to an hour, and then you crash hard and you just need to replenish it. So, yeah, keto's been awesome.
0: What do you what are your thoughts on uh, the old uh, nose to tail carnivore? I had Paul Saladino on here a few months back, talking about carnivore. Like meat. There is all meat, or there's the nose to tail, where you have the organs. What are your thoughts on all this stuff, bro? I'm really curious. Have you tried it? Have you gone super super low, steak and eggs? Like, have you done any of that?
1: Yeah. So when I first hit the road, or when I first got done with football, I went keto, right? So I was eating steaks every day, bacon, grease, fat, like high, a lot of butter on everything. And, you know, I lost a lot of weight um, and I was feeling good, but then I started reading a little bit more. Um, I read this book, uh, Genius Foods, mm-hmm. and it was all about um, the brain and the best, best uh, foods for the brain and talked about not necessarily the macronutrients. Everybody gets worried about the macros, you know, like the proteins, the fats, the carbs. It's all about the micronutrients and the brain needs, you know, a higher fat, but a lot of micronutrients. And it talked about all these really healthy foods to try and help prevent dementia like I said, when I got into meditation, it was all about trying to be proactive because of all the brain trauma that I've sustained from football. And I don't want to sit around and wait to go crazy. I want to try and be proactive. So that's why I read a lot, do meditation, and I started eating right. So I learned that micronutrients um, from a bunch of different like fruits and vegetables, and uh, the brain is fat soluble, so higher fat foods, but staying away from like the bacons and the greasy stuff that it's harder for your body to digest. Um, so I've actually kind of gone opposite from carnivore. I've actually been doing more plant-based stuff. Yeah. Um, so like I'll saute a bunch of vegetables in uh, really healthy olive oils or avocado oils, um, eat a lot of nuts. Uh, I love eggs, avocados, those are super foods. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll have, I'll have red meat probably once a week, once every other week, and then a lot of fish for my protein. Um, and I've been feeling really good doing that. And I do <laughs> intermittent fasting as well.
0: Do you ever get irritations though, from certain veggies or like, you know, gas, like, you know, bloating or anything? Like, is there anything you've noticed? Because here's what I noticed, bro, is that for me, I used to do, well, I've I've tried it all, man. I've tried honestly everything, but I would eat these massive plates of veggies, broccoli, everything with meat. And then I'd get this massive bloating, man. And then I'd be like, well, I'm told to eat all these veggies and to be honest, man, I tried it. I, I took away some of them for a bit and then I didn't feel like that, but I still felt, it felt wrong not having the veggies, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I'm just interested because like we we're so like, we're told these things and then we do them because they feel right. But sometimes they still make us feel and then certain nut butters will make, will, I just find it fascinating how everybody's different, you know? Yeah. Is there anything That's that you've noticed? Hard. Have you noticed any sort of like food irritations or is everything, are you pretty sweet with everything?
1: Yeah. So I realized that dairy is something that my stomach does not handle well. You know, I went and started eating really clean. So what you got to do is you got to like go back to the basics, kind of take a lot of the oils out, take a lot of the salts out and eat kind of cleaner vegetables and slowly introduce these things back into your diet. And you kind of realize pretty quickly what affects you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went on a really strict plant-based diet for a couple of weeks and i started introducing like introduced dairy back into it and i introduced red meat like kind of one by one and when i want to introduce dairy back in like you know i started having the bubble guts and my my body oh, just wasn't wow. handling i was like, okay like i know it's the dairy so and a lot of vegetables uh, treat people differently you know the way yeah. your stomach works and there's a lot of uh, different stuff coming up about the microbiome too and yeah. the diversity in that helps with your digestion um, I know, like, Brussels sprouts creates a lot of, like, gas and stuff. And sometimes gas isn't necessarily bad if you yeah. maybe just if you eat too much of it. And then what you're cooking with, too, like, a lot of these vegetable oils, um, it's really hard for oh, the body man. to digest that stuff. So you need to be cooking in, like, cleaner olive oils. Like, even – I like, I love going to Whole Foods, and oh. I love their salad bar. It's, like, yeah. incredible. <laughs> but a lot of their food, they still cook in um, – Canola like, oil. Yeah,
0: canola,
1: canola oil. Like,
0: I, I can't believe that, man.
1: I know. I know. I
0: know. I'm like – how are you guys doing this?
1: Like all this stuff looks so good. I'm like, I just don't want to eat the canola oil. And like, I don't think what? people realize how bad that stuff is for you.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's really
1: hard for your body to digest, leads to inflammation. And, you know, same thing with like sugar, sugars and everything, and they, everything has canola oil in it. So, I mean, I, I would tell people just start checking the labels on your food. And I know it's intimidating at first. Yeah. But, like look at the label and you don't really like, what do I look for? But the more you do it, then you can start comparing different things. And you would think, like, oh, this one's better than this one. I don't really know what all this stuff is in here. But this one has less ingredients, looks cleaner. And then the more you do it, then you kind of get a better feel of what should be in your food. And, you know, if there's on the, on the little ingredients tab, if there's more than six or seven things on there, then it's probably something you shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't realize the oil thing. They just think, oh, I can't see it. So it's just oil. It's clear. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, like, that's the thing when you eat out, man. I always notice, too. As soon as I go out and eat, I'll feel it. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, I'll I get this, like, this irritability. I'll get sore in my joints. It's uh, – you, and you really – you, you're right. You're absolutely right. Once you strip all that away and then you add it back in, that's when you start to notice. Yeah. Weird, like, wh- like, why am I sore? Like, why are my joints sore? You know, it's yeah, like
1: – A lot of people in our society don't know what feeling good feels like. Yeah. And then, they like and then they just take pills and then they just take
0: these painkillers to like, you know, these, these, these. it's like, well, you don't even give your body a chance. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. You don't,
1: you don't know if you don't like, it's and like, I go around some of my friends and like I'm eating healthy. I'm eating vegetables. And then, you know, they want to go to fast food or something. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to eat that. And they're like, come on. I'm like, what What are you like? You're just a health freak now. And I'm like, no, cause I literally, if I eat that, I'll like get sick. Cause I know yeah. what feeling good feels like. And some people yeah. don't give themselves a chance to like eat clean for a couple of weeks, know what kind of, how their energy shifts, like how much more productive they'll be, how much more focus they'll have, how much better their body feels. They just don't ever give themselves a chance because they want that convenience. They want to be able to, I mean, the flavor is, is good. and if, But once you start appreciating natural foods and the, the flavor of the natural foods, I mean, it changes everything.
0: Well, yeah. And then people are like, Oh, come on. You're like, no, I actually, actually makes me feel terrible. Like you yeah. don't even want to be around me when I eat that. You know, it's like, like I'll
1: probably throw up.
0: Yeah, well, it's crazy. And it's like that short term, weird, addicting bite of the Big Mac is like the weirdest, yeah. weirdest thing. And, you know, if you do have that fast food, I've noticed this, bro. This is like crazy too. As soon as I have the, one of those days where I slip up, I'm all of a sudden craving more of it the next day. I'm yeah. like, whoa, this is nuts. 100%. I don't even, I didn't even think about this the other day. And now I'm yeah. like, that's on my radar. I'm like, well, give me more of this. Where should I eat out tonight? And I'm like, but you don't eat out. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you We're know? such
1: habitual beings, right? Yeah. It's like, crazy. I, I have a really, really bad sweet tooth and I love baked goods. And yeah. so, obviously, eating baked goods every day, you're not going to be able to stay in any type of good shape. And I'll go, like, you know, every probably once a week, I'll go have a couple baked goods, some cookies, maybe a piece of cake, or whatever. You got to treat yourself every now and then. And I'll do like a little cheap meal, but then the next day it's like, I'll, yeah, like you said, like the craving is like, I want another yeah, one. Yeah. And it's like, oh dang, no, 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 it takes willpower to be like, get back on the straight and narrow. And that's why I think people like, like I talked about the morning routine, like you only have so much willpower reserves. And so a lot of people, they start off eating a bad breakfast, then they're like, well, I already ate a bad breakfast. Like I'm oh. just gonna have whatever lunch. But if you start the day off eating healthy, taking care of yourself, and then towards the end of the day, you're like, okay, I'll have this cookie, you know? that's better than eating like crap the whole day. Totally. So it's all about that morning momentum.
0: Totally, man. So man, dog blog, what's, what's, what's up for that right now? Are you going to be doing any more, any more little trips or have you kind of, that's amazing. Amazing branding, by the way, bro. Amazing. You guys make sure to check it out. We'll have all of it in the show notes. It's it's awesome, dude. I was like, and you had like a passion for like photography and all that before too. Right. So it kind of,
1: uh, not really. It kind of just kind of worked out. Like I've always had this artistic flair to yeah. me. Like I was in art classes growing up and I, when I decided to do football, like all that artistic creative side of me kind of took a backseat to the football. All right, okay. um, I, I wanted to do art classes in, in college, but there were always labs that were during football practice. So I've always had that creative eye. And so taking the pictures um, and the branding, I actually hired a company to do the branding for the man Van dog blog. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, it's been incredible. I've, I've set up shop in Austin. Um, I'm going to be here for a few months working on my new project, trying to get it off the ground. But Once it gets going, I'm hoping to hit the road. I mean, I already have a little bit of cabin fever, man. I'm like, in this apartment. (laughs) I'm like, what am I doing? I want to get back out there. But I have a lot of weekend trips planned. I'm still going to be doing a lot of traveling. Um, I plan on doing a lot of international traveling too, and some backpacking. So if you guys want to follow me on my journey, I mean, it is just getting started for sure.
0: Yeah, I heard, I heard Austin's a dope city, too. I haven't been, but uh, I, I heard it's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, a lot, yeah. Of, lot, of, lot of good energy here, man. Cool, like, man. I go over to Zilker Park. I'll, I'll bring Freedom. Uh, it's like an off-leash park, so she can just run around. I do yoga. People walking by like, like yeah, this guy's doing yoga. Or I'll meditate in the park, or other people are meditating. Like, they don't look at you like you're weird. You know, I, I was up in Boston and I go do yoga in the park, people are like, what's this <laughs> asshole doing over here? It's like, <laughs> yeah. so true. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, that's so funny. Where, uh, where can we all find you, man? Where, where is Yes.
1: It? So, man Van Dog blog. I'm most active on Instagram. I have a website, ManVanDogBlog.com. And if you guys are interested in Nut Butter, it's Live Simple, uh, with no E at the end, dot com. Uh, Go check that out. That would really help uh, if you guys want to support.
0: Get your nut butter, everybody. It's going to be, it. I got to get something too. Um, awesome, man. We'll have all that in the show notes so everybody can come check you out. You got great content too. Um, your, your stories, you're always consistent. And it's really cool, man, your journey being all over the place, going to the baseball games and traveling around and the food that you cook. So well done on that, man. Um,
1: nice, man. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I can appreciate good content from people, real stuff, you know? You should. You're. Yeah. It's all real, and that's what that's what I can appreciate. Real. I, absolutely, I got one question that I ask everybody, man, and it's just around adversity. Out of all the adversity that you've had in your life, what is the one lesson that you took away from it? What is What is one thing that adversity has taught you in your life?
1: There's a couple of things. I think every, I truly trust in the universe, and I believe that everything happens for a reason. So a lot of times. You know, my NFL career, for example, I had a lot of ups and downs. And on the downs, and and the down things that happen in people's lives, it's usually a kind of some kind of course correction, right? The universe is telling you, you need to get your act together, you need to take responsibility. Or if you lose a job or some or you you break up with in a relationship, that's usually giving yourself space for something greater that's going to happen. We get so caught up in wanting it to be the way it is, but sometimes the universe has bigger plans for you. So don't get so attached. If, if something bad happens, kind of reframe it as an opportunity rather than something that happened to you, something that happened for you. Mm. And I, I truly, like, so many things happened in my, in my career where, um, you know, something would happen and ended up leading. Like, when I got cut after my, I blew my knee out, I ended up going to Tampa and um, two weeks later and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me because I got to be on a new team. Um, I was really received there well. I was a leader on the team, and it was just it was awesome. Um, and then one thing I've learned outside of football in football and outside of football, being, you know, getting on entrepreneurship and trying to start these new companies is don't be scared of failure, like fail fast, learn fast. Um, there's no such thing as like fit. The only way you can fail is if you quit yeah. and that's with life too. Like the faster you fail, the faster you're going to learn and then you're going to grow. Yeah. And like, don't be scared to fail. Like go for it. Like don't get outside your comfort zone and go find out what you're made of. Like so many people get, and you know, stuck in their comfort zone they don't want to get out of it and they end up waking up when they're 45 50 years old and they're like what happened to my life yeah go go see go go test it out go see go go make mistakes let's see what it's all about
0: man i love that it happens for us not to us it's um amazing man thank you so much for for coming on this was this is awesome i really yeah, man, appreciate, I appreciate it, it. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing to follow you on your journey, man. We'll have to meet up. I like, come down to the state sometime. You got to come to, got to come to the West Coast, Vancouver, Do Go yeah, some. A, it's
1: Whistler near there.
0: Yeah, man. We'll go on some hikes. We'll go. Uh, yeah, totally. We'll go for go skiing or whatever. Rip on Whistler Mountain. So It'll be awesome. Right. All right, man. Take it yeah, easy. Thanks. Appreciate it, sure. Joe Holly. Everybody, Man Dog Blog. Check them out. Later. Boom. What an episode. So much good stuff there. Go hit up Joe guys, follow man, dog blog, really interesting conversation. I love the concept. What he's up to his dog is dog. Freedom is one of the cutest dogs ever. And I just following his journey guys is is really something special. So make sure you go follow him on Instagram, hit him up. And uh, yeah, guys, keep your eyes peeled for all the good stuff he's got coming. So hit that subscribe button guys, leave us a review, share this with a friend. I love you. I appreciate you. Catch you next time just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.